All right, so I want to talk about what I'll call today the Daniel generation. So uh, many of you know the story of Daniel, uh, and um, he and his friends, actually, though they ended up in a faraway land in total captivity, released heaven and changed history while they were doing it. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter the situation you are, you're in. All you have to do is be connected to a loving God, a powerful God, the right God, and learn how to pray, learn how to interface, learn how to walk in faith with him. He loves this thing called faith. It expresses itself in various ways, like some of you coming uh, today was an act of faith, or prayer is an act of faith, or doing something kind for someone, or praying for a sick person, or witnessing. All these things are acts of faith, something that you sow financially. That's why like, you, don't, you don't have to give, you get to give, because Jesus was very, very clear, as you sow, you reap. And um, so I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I'll tell you, uh, there's just nothing like the opportunity to give to uh, ask God to bring it back on your own head, because uh, that's the way it works, right? So I want to talk about the Daniel generation in the sense of this generation, uh, where we find ourselves in history. And uh, there's some parallels. There's uh, uh, Obviously, the situation isn't exactly the same, but the desperation is the same. The need for God is the same. And even the need to interface at a high level, even on a governmental level, uh, by that I mean even uh, politically, um, is so high now in the whole earth, right, in the whole world. So like Daniel, we can pray for revelation and wisdom during great difficulty, whether it's something personal or something for us corporately. Sometimes we're just a word of wisdom away from a powerful deliverance or a blessing. You ever notice that? Like sometimes you're just a word away. You just need to have the right wisdom. When you just know what to do and you just go that way, uh, this is the way you walk in it and you do that. It's just amazing what happens. And God's so like that. You're, when you think about it, we're just a word away. Go do this. Go do that, you know. Even the miracles that we see in the New Testament are so amazing. So many people are glad they reached out and touched Jesus at a certain time or showed themselves to the priest or whatever it was, you know. And, uh, of course, all through the Bible we see these touches. One woman who's totally, you know, uh, defiled and has got a horrible problem physically that disqualified her from having anybody pray for her. And in the middle of a crowd she reaches out and touches Jesus and, bam, power comes and she's healed. So... We're going to talk about Daniel today, and uh, like Daniel, we can pray for revelation and wisdom during great difficulty. Sometimes we are just a word of wisdom away from a powerful deliverance or blessing. So we, if you don't know anything about Daniel, most people even that don't, aren't very acquainted with the scriptures know about Daniel, right, in the lion's den. He found himself in a very uncomfortable position being persecuted by a government, right? <laughs> and there he is. So when Daniel was a young man, specifically in 605 B.C., he and his three friends were recruited to be officials in the great Babylonian Empire after the conquest of Israel. So Israel had been conquered and shipped off, and um, many people, uh, refugees, found themselves there out of their own country. And I'll just begin by reading a few verses to these four men, uh, Daniel and three of his friends, that is. God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This is right there. I just want to just pause and talk for a minute, because uh, I, I think that um, there's a Daniel generation being recruited by the Lord, and there's two interesting sides of this. These guys are very smart. They studied. They, they were very, very aware. They, they excelled even at ruling. They weren't just anybody, you know. They were, you know, 
PhDs. They were very, very gifted, right? And the king was looking for people like that to administer the, uh, the uh, kingdom. But we also see that they could do something else. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. In other words, they could access the supernatural power of God. They could access God speaking to them. How many like to hear God's voice? I hope you do, <laughs> especially these days. I don't think we can get along without one day, one mo moment without God's voice these days, right? The pressure cooker is up a little bit, I believe, on all of us. And uh, there's so many decisions. Even when the COVID thing happened, one thing that was remarkable to me is how many people had to make so many decisions in such a short amount of time. Huge decisions about where they lived, about where they worked, about how to respond, education, everything. That's one reason why our little school over here was, was uh, birth. And it's not so little anymore, but it was birthed out of this time, right? And so, so he and his friends... Uh, were very uh, smart, they were very educated, but they also had something else, and it's very interesting. It says, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the regent at the time, the king. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, what happened with King Cyrus? Anybody know what happens then? This is into the future, right? King Cyrus eventually, when Daniel becomes an old man, 70 years or so later, uh, King Cyrus kicks the Babylonians out from the Medo-Persian Empire in a whole other realm, starts a whole other change, right? But it was also another marker, and that was the marker set by Jeremiah, told by Jeremiah to the people of God that they would return to Israel. It's a huge, big deal. So this Daniel stayed many, many years in the king's court, and as the kings changed, he stayed there. And uh, when the empire changed, as we're going to see, some challenges happened with a new dictator, a new, new empire leader, right? We'll get to that in a moment. Soon they needed to receive supernatural re revelation and interpret king's King Nebuchadnezzar's dream or die. So many of you are aware of this story. This Nebuchadnezzar who was over uh, Babylon said, look, you know, I'm sick of you guys. I need some information and I'm not going to give you any hints. Either tell me what I dreamed or you're going to be dead. I'm going to get rid of all of you. I mean, literally, he was going to kill all of them. Wow. That puts a little pressure on the com prophetic community, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you thought you had pressure. Wow. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. Now, in this culture, and many cultures of the world, it might surprise you, this is not unusual. They have a supernatural worldview. In a culture like ours, where our culture is basically a secular worldview, and we think of uh, supernatural things a little spurious or unusual or just downright evil or whatever, especially in the church, the church being in this prophetic mode or whatever. It's just sort of unusual for our cultures. But in their culture, that's all they're looking for. They were completely steeped in sorts of sorcery, witchcraft, and they were looking for omens and signs that this was the right moment to go. This was the right time to do things. And Nebuchadnezzar had some things on his mind. So he said, you guys either get with it, with it and tell me, or I'm going to kill you all. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream and that, that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, Nah, 
not going to do that because I don't even know about your phony stuff. Sometimes it sounds so phony when you talk to me about it. I don't know where you're getting your information. This is what I firmly decided. When he meant firmly decided, he meant firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was, so he's telling them they have to know what the dream is. They have to, they have to not only know the interpretation, but they got to get the dream. And interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. That'll do something to the prophetic ministry. That'll thin it out pretty fast, huh? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> but if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me, all right? So Daniel had a response to this, interestingly enough. And uh, I believe there's a picture here of us. You know, <clears throat> He was familiar with dreams and visions. This is why I believe the whole church has been in a time we called it the prophetic. I don't know why you put the 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 in it. But anyway, you know, a number of years ago, it's been a few years now, but maybe 30 years ago, something like that, uh, 40 maybe at the outside, something unusual began to happen in the body of Christ. Uh, a new awareness of prophetic things. I can remember when it happened. It was an unusual thing. We even... Notice that there were certain people who had very unusual giftings, and giftings that maybe we had never seen before. I'll never forget, I'm looking at my Michael and Martha there, and I remember uh, Sapal sitting out there, and I remember uh, Paul Kane coming to visit, right? And I remember, <laughs> it was the funniest thing, because there was this Thai girl who eventually became his wife, but I kind of met her and everything, you know, and uh, he's standing in front of everybody, you know, and uh, all of a sudden he says, you know, there's this person from Thailand. And then he didn't want to say her name because her name had a, a little four-letter word in there that sounded weird in English. You know, he didn't want anybody to get distracted from that. So he just spelled her name out, you know, just boom, spelled it out in Thai, right? Spelled his name and then began to give her this word about her life. Well, this is the most amazing thing you've ever seen because what he said came to pass and actually ended up crossing our path. And my brother, Sapal, who had lost his wife years and years ago through the Cambodian Holocaust and, and survived that, but then died of cancer. Martha is sitting here right here, her, her daughter. And so he lost his wife years ago. And uh, so one thing led to another, and the promise that was on that woman's life became a part of my life because we were involved in the area of the world that she was from. She ends up marrying my friend, Sapal, who's a Cambodian. She's Thai, and they've been doing powerful, powerful ministry, what Paul Keane said she would do ever since. Really dynamic stuff, you know. I mean, like, call a personality thing, da-da-da, and then it all comes to pass, and you watch it unfold in front of your eyes, right? So Daniel had more than a passing interest in revelation and understanding. The reason why I told you that story is, could I just say that a few years ago, you know, like I said, maybe 30, 40 years ago, maybe, there was a new change in the body of Christ, an awareness of prophetic ministry like never before, an aware of uh, information coming to people and understanding things, and it's just been growing and growing. Now, it's taken some weird turns, this and that, but nevertheless, it's been a part of the body of Christ, especially the charismatic body of Christ, for quite some time. Now, this is nothing new to the Bible. This prophetic thing from the Old Testament to the New has always been in place. Matter of fact, the prophets were very much a real part of everything that God's, God's uh, uh, was doing uh, for many, many years, right? So the thing that I suppose to be odd is that the people of God, after all this year and all these years and all the scripture and all the, the stories that we see is the, uh, um, is the 
a will of God unfolds in the earth, and as told by the Bible, would be weird as not having this, not having an anointing where there's real life prophets and prophetic ministry and so on and so forth. So in this environment where there was a lot of demon stuff and a lot of the false thing, turns out that in the crowd there was a couple of guys from Israel who were the real thing, including Daniel. So Daniel's response was to appeal to the king of kings for revelation and mercy. He said, God, we're going to die if you don't help us, right? So the result was sudden promotion and blessing because God revealed the king's dream and its interpretation to Daniel. So I'm just going to read through these verses from verse 16. At this time, at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so he might interpret the dream for him because he was in the king's service and he's about to get killed, right? He said, just give me a little moment and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, what was going on. Now, the important thing about this, and maybe the important thing for us, is that as we've been working in this area of the prophetic, learning to hear God's voice on a small level, you know, in our families, our households, and on a larger level, I just want to say to you, it might come as a shock to some of you who are not maybe acquainted with our ways or our church or whatever, but we've been noticing an uptick in the uh, the size and the, uh, the scope and the accuracy of revelation uh, to a level we haven't seen before. And um, I've been uh, moving the things of the Spirit uh, since 1972. And so when we, as we moved into the 90s, uh, things began to change a little bit, and especially the level of Maybe we could say the eyes and the ears of the church beginning to wake up and see, which I assume will get more and more and uh, extend more and more as we go into the future, into the end times, right? So at this time, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might be not, might not be executed. Boy, I talk about having to get a word. Man, you're going to be executed if you don't get a word. That's pretty tough. You know, you thought you had it bad. You know, <laughs> trying to get a word for your life or someone else or your situation. And these guys are going to die with the rest of the... <laughs> so he might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. Can I just say that again? He knows what lies in darkness. In this time, the Lord is giving the church her eyes back. So we haven't been always perfect with that. We've made some mistakes. There's been emphases and overboard this and that. But nevertheless, as this little baby called Revelation is beginning to be born, it's so important for the church to learn to see again. We need to see all kinds of things. We need to see into the future. We need to see the government. We need to see uh, issues in our schools and our children, our families. If there ever was a time of Revelation, it's now. We're in the same place, except this guy's got his back to the wall. He's about to be killed. So Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power is. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge of the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I think uh, I, I felt that when I was reading this. I, I, I just felt like um, the Lord has underlined that word, that phrase. He knows what lies in darkness. So we know now, just if you've, you've been, you know, even have the revelatory anointing of like a marble, you know, something not too big, you know. 
you just have a, a little bit of understanding, you know intuitively something's very unusual about the time we're living in. And it's happened in not such a long period of time, just the last maybe 10 years, something very unusual. What lies in the darkness has become more and more obvious. It's been developing for a number of years. I remember even in the early 70s and the late 60s, people talking about what's happening now. But it was sort of in hushed tones, kind of over here. There was more of a prophetic word, more of a prophetic uh, thing that people were seeing that could happen. But now we're seeing it in brilliant uh, color. Uh, not so color, it's more like darkness, right? But God reveals deep and hidden things. And aren't you glad that He knows what lies in darkness? Aren't you glad that this is a time for not only He knows what lies in darkness, but is He willing to reveal that to ordinary people? In other words, the Lord is giving us our eyes back in a very unique way in this time. And then He says, and light dwells with Him. Aren't you glad that He shows us from His point of view what He thinks from the position of light, not darkness, right? So uh, I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and, pow and power. You have made me known. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So he gets it by revelation. He gets the dream. Well, when he gives the <laughs> the, the dream and the interpretation uh, to the to Nebuchadnezzar, everybody goes, Phew, you know. Man, we dodged a bullet there, right? <laughs> and uh, so he saves everybody, including himself. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, hmm, sometimes I'm wondering uh, just the things that we're practicing, trying to learn to hear God's voice and learning to move in the Spirit. Uh, I wonder if maybe in the future these important things will be more important to us than we know right now. Reminds me of that parable of the lamp, having the oil in the lamp, right? When, and uh, I think that's uh, kind of important that uh, we get some oil in our lamp to navigate uh, the difficult circumstances that are ahead. But I wouldn't just say the difficult circumstances that are ahead. I'd say the ones that we are right in the middle of now. And things that have we've been given a brief reprieve from, from the COVID thing, and that's lightened things a little bit. But we have things every day that are, we're facing as a nation and as a church. You know, I was thinking that the other day, I was thinking in a way with a, a sort of a weird sort of pride. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, uh, proud of us in a way um, because it's amazing how afraid uh, the world is of the church at the moment, how they see what we're doing, and they we have become enemy number one. I don't know if you're aware of that. I think most of us are. We've become enemy number one. used to be that sort of Christians were synonymous in our culture with the culture, with good people good, hardworking people, the backbone of our culture. Now we're beginning to look like criminals, like people that are against the culture, people that maybe don't have the best wisdom for this hour and time. You notice that? Well, could I just say something by revelation that doesn't take a lot of revelation? It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Right? So, but at the same time that's getting worse, we're getting better. We're like Daniels. We're learning. We're hearing. And one great thing that's going to cause a tremendous ingathering of, the, of, the, of souls of the kingdom is we're actually going to be accurate. What we say is really true. There's going to be a number of people, maybe millions, that understand that and come in and are swept into the kingdom because someone has real answers for real problems. Someone knows where things are headed and someone knows how to warn 
without guile, with true truth, with inhumility, but known how to war. We're going to become known in the gate, like Daniel. We're going to become known in the gate, not as just his troublemakers who are always giving the wrong you know, politic and always trying to get the other guy elected. No, we're going to become known uh, for someone that has answers. You know, Even now, I think of this a lot when I think of people that are in the business world right now and uh, various forms of business. And I think of many things like, for example, our warehouse and other things that we're doing. It's just like we're, we've become, uh, and I, it's a little uncomfortable for me, um, but I feel myself uh, drifting more to alternative everything. Alternative ways we school, alternative ways we do business, alternative ways that we feed the poor, we, do with the, we deal with the wretched uh, addictions and the horrible problems of our time. Not long ago, I was in front of uh, some city leaders, and it was this really bizarre uh, deal how I even got to that place. And I was just talking to them, and I found myself like speaking like really boldly to them and telling them what to do with their property and <laughs> and how if they did this and this, it was going to work out well. But if they didn't do that, it's going to be a mess. And we're going to, you know, like that. And I'm going, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there saying that. And I'm going, what am I saying? This is, I'm just blobbing. And then I went, then after I got done, I went, whew, hope that was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they seemed to receive it pretty well, and it, it was it was it was good. It was re- really good. But here's the thing. Look what James 1 says. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whew, I still haven't learned that one very much, but anyway, I'm, I'm working on it. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be complete, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes I think that the season we're in is actually maturing us so that we're not lacking anything. I think we thought we were in a better place than we were, actually. And the trouble that we've been through and the trouble that the world's in is maturing the church. It's not maturing everybody. Some people it's just exposing. Some people it's just making it look ridiculous. Some people it's exposing the greed and the anger. and the. But for us, it's exposing God, right? If any of you, and here's a key thing, lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So the trouble on the one side is causing us to be more stable. In other words, it's forcing us to believe and firm up what we believe. And the revelation that we get is also beginning to firm up. We're beginning to understand. I think we're farther along in understanding really where our country is. Um, I, I think that the uh, reason why I say that, I feel like we're in a better place as having survived the COVID thing and been through all the things that came out of that. I feel stronger. I feel like I know more what the enemy's about. I think I know more about what we're about. I think I know more about our response. And I look back at some of our responses to that very invasive time in everybody's life and our, uh, our responses at church, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's pretty good. I like most of that. And then there's some things we, we, did, we did that I didn't like, you know, but it wasn't anything major. We had most of the things in place. We, we did what I thought we should do as a church, and we played it pretty right. I messed up the women's Christmas thing pretty bad, but... Uh, I think they've forgiven me now for that, but uh, and some other things. But for the most part, uh, we've come up the other side, and and so let's let's read these verses. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know 
The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, here's the part that I really like. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I would venture to say if I asked just across this group, how many need wisdom right now? All right? <laughs> it's a lot. And I know you're raising your hands for serious wisdom. It's like, I'm making some choices here, you know? And for whatever reason, I think the entire body of Christ is in that place. Like, I need answers. You know, I mean, it's not like, you know, and I think this, after the COVID thing, you know, all the things that have been happening uh, politically and also just the, the economic environment, where we're at right now, I need some answers, you know. I need some answers. And, uh, but look what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So I think if you look at that from a big picture, it's sort of hard to understand. But I think if you understand it like step by step, in other words, each time we have something that we must believe in and not doubt about, right? And if we just learn to do in smaller things that, we learn to depend on the Lord for everything. I mean, we've been trying to figure out, like, depend on the Lord for some big things, like how do we educate our kids and that sort of thing, right? But there's all kinds of small things. And I think as you respond to the small things and you learn how to ask God for for information and you then step out and you do it and you see the result of it i think that if we get too big it'll overwhelm us but learning to trust god for wisdom in their decisions is um, absolutely uh, important during this day and i think when you're asking for wisdom you know sometimes if you're asked for wisdom and just think like you're stupider than before you asked it you know you just get more despair what we've got to learn to do is if i ask for wisdom then i call them wisdom paths so whenever I ask God for wisdom in something, I, I, I start looking for the path. I don't think of the answer coming all at once. I think of it as a pathway. So all I need to know is I'm going to move toward whatever that, uh, you know, the wisdom I need, but I'm, I'm taking a step at a time. And I take a journey with God. And I think that's the best way to look at wisdom. Lots of things that we need wisdom are like a journey. You want the whole thing done, the answer right there, boom, boom, slam the door, we're good. But actually... Wisdom's like an invitation. It's a journey, right? And so you just keep taking step after step after step all toward the Lord. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. So if you think about Peter, by the way, that whole chosen thing was outstanding. If you saw season three, the last session where he gets out and walks on the water, it's just incredible, right? Such a good picture, right? So visible and so amazing. But, but you know, he, he started sinking when he panicked. He just needed. He just needed. Really, in that situation, don't don't do anything. <laughs> just stay there. Okay, good, good. <laughs> okay, and that's exactly the way I think wisdom comes. Okay, good, good. Okay, okay. Hey, I'm walking. Hey, I'm walking on water. Hey, this is pretty good, right? And I think that a lot of us are having to walk on water right now. But when you ask for wisdom, it often comes on the installment plan. And as you go on the installment plan, you could actually take a couple of good steps, and they realize, uh-oh, that's not good, and go back here, and then you go over here, and you go over there, and finally, the wisdom path takes you to the Lord. And this has been very comforting to me to receive wisdom on the installment plan. I take a risk, I step out, I take another one, I take another one, I walk down a path. And um, so Daniel gets this amazing revelation. Daniel's lifestyle shows us the power of deliberate prayer 
in all of our affairs, secular or religious. His conviction was so deep, he risked his life to continue to pray openly to God after the Persians and King Darius conquered Babylon. So now this thing's over. Uh, he gives Nebuchadnezzar the revelation he needs. He gets promoted, and he's been basically chugging along there for a long time. But here comes Persia, and here comes Darius. Actually, someone prophesied in the Scriptures by the prophet Isaiah who would come, right? Actually, King Darius is another uh, word for Cyrus. They're the same person. So many of you know the word Cyrus, right? Daniel would not stop praying for this nation even when his life was threatened in the lion's den. So this King Darius, this, this guy comes, right? And he becomes extremely powerful. He's from Persia, and the Persians are now in charge, and the Babylonians are kicked out, but Israel's still there, right? Israel's still there. So when we look at Daniel chapter 6, we find that actually Daniel and his friends get put in charge again, right? They, they're going to help administrate the kingdom. And so with so many peoples under the jurisdiction of these huge, the giant dictators, these, these huge rulers, they had to have helpers in each tribe, tongue, and language to help navigate both local business and also the business in those various nations that have been conquered. So these administrators and satraps, went at, this is verse 6, went as a group to the king and said, My king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. So the real thing that's going on here is they want to get Daniel out of the way. He's too powerful, and they're trying to get rid of him. And they know. Now here's an interesting thing. They know that this guy prays all the time. They know he's always praying. He's very, very, he's praying three times a day. They all know it. I don't know how they know it. He's not actually doing it out in the open. He's opening a window, but maybe they can hear him speaking out the window. But some way or another, they know this guy prays three times a day. They're very, very aware of his faith. Don't be afraid today. If people become very, very aware of your faith, could I just even say it a whole other way? This is the day where people are going to become very, very aware of your faith, whether you like it or not. I think we've had a long time, most of my life, where I could be a sort of secret person. You know, I could go to church pretty much in peace, da da da. But don't be surprised if the days unwind as they unwind and you become more and more visible and more and more stand out. You stand out more. And you may have to exert that in certain kinds of meetings or times, but I think we're headed toward a time when we're all going to become more obvious because we're going to stand out. Even the Scripture says that. We're going to be like stars that are against the darkness. We're going to stand out like that. Now, Your Majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Right. So it's now in writing and so on. So guess what? They catch Daniel. What is he doing? He doesn't stop praying. He's been praying for 70 years. He understands that the time is drawing close for Israel to go home. He's got the prophet Jeremiah behind him. Jeremiah said 70 years Jan when, when Daniel was captured, which is a short amount of time. You know, he, I mean, he was sorry, he was he'd only been alive a short amount of time. He had been, you know, he's like a teenager, and so he's still there. But he's just a lot older, right? A stone was okay. So they so they so they catch Daniel praying. And the king doesn't want to do it, but he's got to put him in the lion's den. So we see this incredible story. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And this is be, can you imagine how scary this would be? I mean, uh, in the early believers, in 
Church of Rome went through this. I mean, but can you imagine what kind of place that puts you, you know? And then you're in there, and I, I, I wonder if you would think twice, why in the world did I pray? I could have hit it a little better. What in the world? Here I am. Or, this is ridiculous, you know, and all this. But I don't think Daniel was like that. He had something. He knew his life belonged to someone else. And I think right now, this is the time, this Daniel generation, if we're to release heaven and change history, we need to know who we belong to. And we also need to know he always wins in the end. And it's not always dependent on our life, whether we live or die, right? Or about our welfare sometimes. But in the end, we win. And uh, we get that in our sights. It's very powerful. So then when problems come up, and they're coming up all over the place. You've noticed that in our culture. They're all over the place. I mean, just watch the news on every kind of front, the education front, you know. Uh, just that's a huge one right now. But every front, there's all controversy about every single thing, right? Because there's a whole lifestyle that's being developed that's against our lifestyle, right? It's going the other direction, right? So it, some things are included and we're excluded in a lot of stuff because we're too political, we're too opinionated, we're too conservative for the most part for the world. And uh, it's very puzzling to some of us who are older now because. You know, uh, we used to be the salt of the earth in the world's eyes. Good, solid Christian guy, solid Christian girl, uh, that's good, you know. And uh, even an unbeliever could look at that and say, well, they're good people, right? Now, these good people are evil people. Notice that? They're not so good. They're getting in the way of our agenda, the agenda that we can't have. We can't have aborted babies. We can't have... And you just go on. The list is getting longer and longer what we can't abide by, what we can't, uh, de- uh, we can't be about if we want to continue to be believers, right? So he gets thrown in the lion's den. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I mean, that's like, this is going to happen. <laughs> You're not in a good place, right? And the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I just think in our time that our standing may look to us sometimes as if nobody's listening. But I think people are in high places are listening to our voice, not only from a political point of view, but also from, hey, you know, I know where we're going here, but this isn't right, you know. You know what I mean? And I think we have some of that. I'm not sure how far that part's going to get developed. But anyway, the important point is this guy's persecuted. He's in this lion's den. At the light of first dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. It's interesting. He thinks, well, just maybe. This guy's so super, just maybe he made it, right? Which, you know, uh, he, he he, he loved Daniel, but he couldn't, he was trapped by his own words, right? Daniel, servant of the living God. And that's very interesting. I'll tell you what. If there's anything that I want out of my life, I want to be the world to say, they might agree with, not agree with me. Like, he didn't, you know, he, they might not agree with me, they may be against whatever, but they know I, I represent, I'm a servant of the living God. I'm a servant. Now, he believed he was a servant of some God that was very real because he'd experienced some blessing before. But this is something that I think the Lord's going to do with us. There's a lot of people who are going to recognize that we are servants of the living God. And I just think God's going to give us wisdom to release heaven and change history in a way we just can't imagine.
How it all turns out politically, I don't know. All I know is that we're obviously a part of the story to the place where we could look in Matthew 24, 14, which some people think is a end-time passage. And it says there, this gospel of the kingdom will preach in the whole world and then the end will come. Now, interestingly enough, so if you know anything about the world, most of us as Americans are not really aware of the world, maybe not aware especially of Christianity in the world. But Christianity right now is advancing so quickly and so fast in nations that since the beginning of the church have not had him, had Jesus. It's remarkable. It's another thing that's sort of hidden in the background because most of the advancement is happening with the poor. It's happening in the poorest places, right? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world and then the end comes. So you can actually measure how far the kingdom's being preached. And, and the way to measure it is that the world's not or organized literally in geographic uh, political boundaries. It's actually a, uh, a collection, like for example, India, I've told you many times, it's actually you know a couple of thousand nations. Nations that have a culture that they respond to. Nations where reality, truth, is, that's, the, the, that's the way they understand reality comes through that grid, not their political nation. So the word actually, this gospel we preach in the whole world, and then the end shall comes to all the nations. That word is actually ethnos. So think of ethnic groups sub-ethnic groups of every kind. But we don't realize that in a place like India, there's thousands of these sub-ethnic groups that are so real and so distinct that they see themselves that way. We, we, don't, we, we understand ethnic group here or there, but we're all Americans. They, they, it's more powerful in, in their culture, even to the place where factions in the inside will war with one another and, and, and have been warring with one another for centuries even, right? So, so he says, whom you serve been able to serve a rescue from the, Daniel, from the lions. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Did not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. I like that word. You know what I want? I want to be innocent in God's sight. I don't care what anybody else says. As long as I'm innocent in God's sight, things are going to be okay for me. And I got a feeling if I'm innocent in God's sight, and I understand how big God is, I might just be a part of problem-solving in a way that I never could have imagined. And I would just say, if you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world in every place, not just in your nation, not just in politics, but in every area where you work, where you live, you are releasing heaven and changing history, or at least that potential there. And he's got us all scattered in businesses and schools and every place. We've got to make sure we're, what we're doing is we're not caving in, but we're releasing the edict of the king, the real king, unafraid, and, and it might get us in trouble from time to time, right? I know that one of our biggest problems with COVID was a lot of us had careers, long-standing careers, and we were really worried that if we responded the wrong way, you know, and didn't toe the line, that we would actually be thrown in, you know, we would lose our job, jobs that maybe we had been doing for 30 or 40 years, and 20 years wouldn't be able to go back to because of the political stance they were taking, right? You know what I found during this go-around? It's amazing. I'm just saying absolutely amazing because of the power of prayer and where our life comes is from Jesus. It's amazing to me how many of us have done well through this COVID thing and actually come out better on the other side. 
Some of us may be waiting a little bit from the loss that we experienced during that time or the lost time. But I am telling you, just from my general view for, for our church as well and other believers I know, it's just amazing how the Lord not only delivered us but actually took us into a better place. Very Daniel-like of us, I think. I think it's so cool. And we've actually been through a serious run where this was tested. And so now we're in this great time where we've, we've maybe some of us lost our jobs or our opportunity here or there. But if you haven't got it made up to you yet by the Lord, if you took a serious stand in the name of Jesus and the matter of your convictions, it's not long before the Lord, if he hasn't already, he'll catch up with you. He'll help you financially, help you practically in every way, I guarantee you. It's not long. And I've been watching this happen. It's been such a delight. The good thing about me is I've been such with so many people. I've been watching businesses restored, people getting into new businesses and prospering out of their mind, new ideas come. It caused a great spirit of creativity, which is what the Holy Spirit does. He, he creates things in you. You know, you're, you're just, pow, they shot your career dead. Hmm. What am I going to do now? Well, God have mercy on me. <laughs> what should I do now? And then boom, boom, and things are... Beginning, I've seen this uh, because we keep track of a lot of work and jobs. We pray over jobs and work and careers all the time, you know. And I've noticed it's amazing how people have come up the other side of that and are doing better and better. And and what the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does the Bible say about us? But I came that they might have life. And then he says on this little thing, and abundantly. Well, what do you mean abundantly? Well, certainly I mean internal things, but also outward uh, things. I came that they might have abundance, grace. You know, it's amazing. When you go through a hard time and you come out abundantly, everybody stands up and listens because everybody had to go through the trials we've been going through and everybody's afraid and everybody's lost stuff, right? I think that we've gotten some of our best witnesses and our best, how the Lord, and it's not even played out yet, right? Daniel answers, he says, hey, May the king live forever, and my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed. He was glad, right? And gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. I'm going to say that again. No wound was found on him, because what's the main thing that needs to happen here? Trusted in his God. He took a chance with God. I would rather take a chance with God in the environment we're living in than put my trust in anything that looks more stable. A number of you have done that, and sometimes I think many of us have found we got out the other side just fine, thank you. Others are finding that and are growing toward that. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown to the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed them, all their bones, just to let everybody know that these were real lions. These, these were real lions, right? This was real danger he was in, right? Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language of the earth. And I'm just wondering if we say this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world and then the end comes. I wonder if we're going to see uh, more and more of this sort of activity. He writes to everybody, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. I mean, this guy's starting to preach. He's the dictator. His, his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. He has rescued Sam, Fred, Susan, Joy, you know, every kind of other person you can imagine in this room. He's rescued you from the lions. Dawn. <laughs> he rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. That's how we're going to survive, by the way. 
You know all this stuff that we've been learning, prophetic things and revival stuff and everything? Isn't this to have a big party and stuff? It's for you to learn how to do business in the world, signs and wonders and release power in the world. When somebody's sick, get them well. When somebody needs a word of direction, you get a word from somebody who needs, needs to know the future or the possibilities of their life. Or someone needs prayer, you're there, right? He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now this is verse 28. So I just declare this over us. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's such a good word. You know why? Because no matter what government he had to deal with, he prospered anyway. I declare that over you today. No matter what government, jurisdiction, whatever you, I declare you as the church, you as the people of God, you as the Daniel people that you are, will prosper. Whether it's Darius, Cyrus the Persian, whoever else gets elected in our government, well, whoever it is, right? We will prosper. And it's important sometimes, I have my favorite candidates for the politics, but I want to just say, I don't let my heart go to a place of idolatry where I put all my hope in that person. They're going to be the perfect person. And if this person doesn't get elected, I, I'm going to be crushed. No way am I going there. There's a king, and he's not, in the, he's not the president. There's a king, right? He appoints who he wants. And he actually, he can rule in, around, in between, up and down, around a king, whoever it is. But the people of God, the kingdom of God, we have to stand to that king, even when it's dangerous. And I think we are a Daniel generation that can release heaven and change history during this time. I don't see how it could be. If we're the salt of the earth, how could it be any other way? I don't see how it could be, right? This lifestyle of intercession was so amazing uh, for Daniel. And I think there's something really critical about this. Uh, and uh, so if you, I'll just read A and B. Dan, the Lion's Den story happened near the end of Daniel's life in 539 B.C. after the Medo-Persian Empire had conquered Babylon. Daniel's 70 years of continual prayer for Jerusalem played a part in bringing the end of Babylon's power and Israel's 70-year captivity to a close. The Jews were released to go to Israel if they desired to go. We see that in 2 Chronicles 36. The lifestyle of intercession and revelation are time. God uses human instruments to fulfill his purposes in history. I just believe that now more than ever before in my life. He uses human instruments. He uses you and I to fulfill the destiny we are the body of Christ. We are, the, we are his salt. We, we are the salt of the earth. That means we make the world taste good. Salt not only makes things taste good, but it preserves. We preserve the world. The moment we're out of here, the world really falls apart. Some people have a whole theology about that. I don't know how that works. All I know is while I'm here, I'm salt. That's all. And I got to live like salt, expect salt, and I got to also expect the power of God to be on me. I think that sometimes when we preach a gospel that doesn't have the power of God on it, it you, it's sort of difficult to have this theological concept of salt of the earth without the teeth. It's like, have, you know, it's like having the gums without the teeth. I need to, we worship the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's got teeth, we got teeth. Right? We have real authority to move mountains. That's what he said. If you say to this mountain, be removed, it'll be removed. He's the one that described how great we are. I didn't describe it. I just like reading sometimes through the New Testament, describes how great we are, how much power we have. And I just think that um, that's the way we have to look at ourselves uh, during this time. Through prayer, uh, this is B2, through prayer and repentance, the church, the Daniel Company, can call down good government and blessing on our country. And we find that in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. This is why I'm going to get ahead of this a little bit. The next time we have a national day of prayer, come. 
whatever you do. Make it more important than Christmas. I'm serious. If you should be anywhere on the National Day of Prayer, you should be with other believers praying for your nation. Why? Because it's in your best interest to do it. <laughs> That's why. You're the priests and kings of the Most High God. You're the one that changes the environment. You are the salt of the earth. And as surely as salt changes the flavor of things, that's what you do. And one of your primary ways to change that is just learning to exercise prayer. So we see this in 1 Timothy 2, for example, 1 to 4. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So we not only are praying for our people, but praying for all the other people in the world, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness. So our prayers for those in authority and the way they react to those prayers and the way that God rules over them, whether He removes them, changes their mind, puts somebody else in place, right? That's our job is to pray that that happens. That's really important. And actually it's super spiritual. It's super spiritual. It's not just about elections. It's about the people of God dealing at the real level that we have to go. We have to go far deeper and higher than just getting the right pre person as president or, the, or governor or whatever it is, right? And we take our focus off of that, we get confused. And we get depressed and discouraged, especially if our guy doesn't get elected or something doesn't happen. But actually, the real authority is with the king of kings. For kings and all authority, we pray for him so that God will then arrange the whole thing. He removes this one. He puts this one in place. This is good and pleases God our Savior. So you want to be pleasing to God our Savior? This is what you do. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth? That's the whole thing. His agenda is, I want everybody saved. I want the whole earth to be saved before I bring this thing to a close. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And then the end comes. My agenda, save the world. My, my agenda is to bring many, many children home. That's my agenda. Governments, they're over here, they're over there. They may be restraining or holding back. But that's not the issue. They will eventually bow because I will have my gospel preached from one end of this earth to the other. I will have my will done. I will bring my children back. I will have a family to be with me forever and ever. And I'm going to snatch them out of every country, every, every place, every kind of government, every kind of background. I'm going. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And then the end comes. That's what we do. And part of our, well, the way that happens is through our prayer life, through, through our ability to exercise authority in the heavens that causes the furniture to move in the world. And believe me, isn't it interesting with Daniel, their primary point of contention with him is, and, and how they trapped him was they knew that he prayed, right? I don't think they really realized how powerful he really was or they wouldn't have messed with him, right? They ended up dead because of it. That's how powerful he was. What he was doing was so important to God, they touched him and they ended up dead for it. That'll give you a different perspective, right? On school prayer and every other kind of prayer, right? Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles 7, 14 to 16. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple, that is, this church, this gathering so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. His eyes and his heart are with me, with us. This very day, Vineyard Community Church, God's mind, his eyes, his heart are here. 
with us today. That's why when fear comes, we get timid, we get freaked out or intimidated by evil and government systems. It just doesn't good for us to be in that space. It doesn't honor the Lord because His eyes are with us. I love that phrase, greater is He that is with us than He that is with them. Oh, I love that phrase, greater is He that is with us than He that is with them, right? So, Roman numeral three. I'll probably go this, through this query quickly and I'll bring this to the close, but prayer and the mystery of divine partnership. Prayer is the seedbed for the revelation of God's purposes. Think about it. Cornelius, this Gentile, he's praying to God, right? And as best he can, he doesn't know the real God, but he's just taking a stab at it. But he has this other habit that's really quite remarkable. He's helping the poor, right? And so this Cornelius guy gets heaven's attention. There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-free, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. I cannot think of a better recipe for our life as a church or for your recipe as a person. Give to those in need, pray all the time. Simple. Give to those in need and pray to God all the time. One day at about three in the afternoon, he gets this vision. This vision comes to him, you know, and he sees Peter and he sends for Peter, you know, and the Gentiles are born to the church. It's not by accident that the Gentiles were added to the church because this guy was praying, interceding, and giving to those in need. I just think if I could just make that right at the top of everything we do. We worship and we pray and we give to the weak. Wow, that's a recipe for incredible blessing. Just do that. Just make sure we do those two things really, really well. We have lots of prayer going on for everybody. At the same time, we are so concerned about the weak. This is why that guy was qualified, think about it, to be the door into the Gentile church. All those centuries, no Jews think the Gentiles have any part of this. All of a sudden, this guy, this Jesus comes and the church goes, and now it's still Jews, but then what got heaven's attention? Ah, there's a Gentile over there, and he can't help giving to the poor, and he's always praying to me. The aroma caught God's nose somehow, and pretty soon he connects it, and pretty soon, think about this, God did the most... The reason why most of us are here today is because of that person right there. Most of us in this room are Gentiles. We don't have a Jewish background, right? Most of us are Gentiles. And we're here today because this guy was praying, this guy named Cornelius is praying, and he is giving to the poor. <laughs> That's why we're here today. And heaven go, I think I got, said, heaven thought, hmm, I think I could put my government right here. And he did, right? Daniel's practice of praying three times a day toward Jerusalem sensitizes his awareness of God's timetable. He realized the time of Israel's release was near. His response was to humble himself and pray for God's word to be fulfilled. So even as he understood the time, he understood the time was coming close, coming close, coming close, especially with the evasion of the Persians. Here's an amazing thing, and I'm getting to the end of this. Daniel's intercession even affected the movements of angels. I really like this because, you know, Prayer is a very spiritual thing, but to for me, sometimes I just need a visual. I just need to know, how is that working together, you know? And and so you, you see uh, Daniel 9, uh, verses uh, uh, 20, uh, verse 20 and 25. While I was speaking and praying, did you get that? It's pre- praying, 
confessing my sin and the sin of my people to Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to you to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Wow. As soon as you began to pray, I sent my emissaries, I sent my angels, I sent my provision to tell you what's going on. You are highly esteemed. Why was he highly esteemed? Because he's praying and confessing his sin. And of course, he had a track record of this sort of ministry and life, right? And then we see the angels are affected. That's pretty cool. I like to think of when I pray, the angels are moving around. That's what I call moving the furniture around. Politics is one thing. Angels who actually are over huge territories, who oversee areas for God and are in conflict with demonic agents who are also contending for those countries. That's where all the action is. Do you want to be where all the action is? Be in that place of prayer, a lifestyle of helping the poor, call out to God. That's when you start moving the furniture around. I'm going to say it again. Next time we have a National Day of Prayer, I want this place to be full, okay? No more of this like 20, 30, 50 people. Everybody. Because it's a great. It's the one day of the year when the whole church and the whole United States is gathering to pray. It's not like any other day. It's to be like Christmas. It's like our Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> We're all here. We're asking God, we want you to change some stuff around here. Can you imagine if the millions and millions of believers are fervently asking God to change things, what's going to happen, right? And this Daniel knew. He understood very, very well. Daniel 10, in the year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Now, why would God give Daniel understanding about a war? Why would he give you understanding about a war? See, there's no limits to this. To understand nations and kingdoms, movements, this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. This is where the church will go, because God will have his bride. He will have his kingdom. And this gospel kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end comes. There will be significant movement in these days of the church marching forward and influence, and everybody will be aware of the church. One thing that's different about our time and era now, that's different from others, is there used to be the politic of our area used to sort of just sort of sleep through the church. They never, you know, over once in a while the church caused the problem. Now they're very, very aware of the church. Does that seem strange to you all? how aware they are of Christian schools and of, 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 because they realize that we actually influence people and they're trying to control everything. So we control people too, just not us personally, but the gospel changes a person, changes their allegiance, changes everything. So we're spreading this, what they think of as disinformation, but it's life, right? That's who we are. The difference in our time may be that we may actually begin to see some of the things on the positive and negative side the generations for centuries have been looking to see. That may be the time we're in right now. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, ate no chase, choose, choose, <laughs> choice, food. I'm hungry anyway. i got to draw this to a close and go eat. No weed or wine. No, I can't even, can't even talk. No weed or weed. No meat or wine. Touch my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now listen to this. 
Listen to these verses. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. In other words, his prayer brought the angels. Your prayer does the same thing. You empower the angels with your prayer. 12 and 14. Do not be afraid, Daniel, he said, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. That angels coming to him, that mighty figures coming to him in response to his prayer. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, that's a deep demonic entity, resisted me 21 days. So this, this, this entity, this angel is fighting Demonic power is fueled by the prayers of the saints. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns the time yet to come. This whole scene of angels being fueled and our prayers going up and revelation coming and insight. Wow, what a picture. What a picture. And it's in today's time like never before. We live and one of the most amazing times in all of history. And all of this is happening at this time. And so it's so important that if we learn one thing during this time is we need to learn to release heaven. It's as simple as your lips crying out in the name of Jesus. And when the church begins to get together, they'll organize, and they start coming together and noticing this and that and praying over this and that. It's amazing. They start dealing with the needs of the poor and the weak and start becoming a government in themselves taking care of things that the government is absolutely failing at, we have an opportunity like never before. The government, our governments of this world, they are failing absolutely. They're interested in the poor seemingly, but they're failing miserably. Whoa! What an opportunity. That's why the warehouse and everything we're doing, more, not less. What an opportunity to step right into a place where our country hurts, where people don't know what to do, right? And that's where we are. The church's inheritance is to pray in and recognize the promises of God for our generation. Matthew 6, we pray it all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 24, 14. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end comes. So when does the end of the world come? When we've finished our task. When we've preached the gospel in the whole world, that's when it stops. Wow. So however you want to measure it, however you want to look at it, Whatever we're doing, we should actually be involved in end-time things. If you want to hasten Jesus' return, start sowing the gospel on the ends of the earth where the gospel hasn't been heard. It's our greatest privilege. That's my other job, by the way. Because most of you don't have much of a worldview. So if I talk to you about my mission stuff, everybody just sort of yawns and kind of goes because it's not a part of your life. right? But it is a part of your life. It's part of history. When we reach out into these nations, when we're a part of it, and the church keeps reaching and reaching and reaching, it's going to become more of our life than you can imagine because that's on God's agenda. That's part of what's happening in our life right here before us, right? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's Matthew 9. And then, of course, I've just been mentioning these amazing cosmic purposes. But there's just some cool things that just come out of a walk with the Lord. I'm just going to read these and I'll finish. Listen to this. This is some of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. All your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Who wants that one? That's a promise. 
Isaiah 54, 13. You can have that one. All your children will be taught the Lord in what? Great will be their peace, their shalom. They'll be healthy. They'll have jobs. They'll have families. They're going to be fine. All, not, not any of them left out, will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. I declare that over every one of you in this, this place right now. You that are worried about sons and daughters that don't know the Lord, you that are worried about kids that aren't doing well, they're falling away, or they're sick or ill or whatever, I just declare great will be their shalom. That's a big word from the Hebrew, and has to do with every aspect. Peace is not just like inner tranquility. Peace means life in my finances, life in my health, life, peace in every area of my life, not just my money, but every area of my life. Amen. All my children will be taught of the Lord. There she is right there. Will be taught of the Lord. I don't know where the rest of them are. And great will be their peace. All my children. That's you, Michelle. Will be taught of the Lord. That's your destiny. Sorry, you got to have this. Is, you're doomed to peace. And to be taught of the Lord. You sing pretty good, too. Yeah. In tyranny you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Amen. It's one thing for an enemy to attack. It's another thing for the Lord to attack. <laughs> right? Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Oh, the world, the government, they're attacking the Christians. What are we going to do? Oh, it's getting worse and worse. Hmm. If anyone does attack you, it's not my fault. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. That's pretty good. That's the attitude we need. See, as I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work, it is I who have created the destroyer, whoa, to wreak havoc. Whoa. Why? Because no weapon forged against you will prevail. You refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. Is somehow or another, this whole thing, all the politics, all the, all the religion, everything, all the confusion, everything, somehow or another, we get vindicated. Somehow in all this, we get a heritage. Somewhere all this, nothing can prevail against us. And we stand in the end. We're ruling. That's how it works. That's where we're headed. And God's making His church brave enough to actually invo- uh, uh, to receive these promises. And I just think I'll finish with this last lovely verse. I really like it so much. This is such a beautiful verse. Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. With this news I've given you, why wouldn't you rejoice? You win. (laughs) We win. You might as well have the Super Bowl party early. You You win. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's interesting. You know, let your gentleness. Even the word gentle is interesting. It's not exactly, you know, some say the Lord's your forbearing spirit, but... Let your kind of attitude toward people, the way you treat people, the way you think toward people, be evident. Let everybody know. Even the wicked one, even the weird one, the one that persecutes, the one that seems to be so far off, right? Do not be anxious about anything. But what's the alternative to anxiety? But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The thanksgiving part is putting the salt on it, right? They make your prayers taste good. They actually generate faith. If I come in and I'm despairing, oh, God, what am I going to do? But I say, God, I just want to thank you for all the great things you've done for me. And I have this one other item I'd like to bring up. you got faith in you. That has faith in you. The other thing is just like, wow, you just had like an hour of complaining before God. You just complained for a whole hour. <laughs> Didn't get much of the furniture moved around, right? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Oh, my. Guard your hearts and your minds. And then this verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, Daniel generation. Let's release heaven and change history. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. And I, uh, I'm sure we'll have someone come up here eventually or we'll play some music on the system. But um, um, so you may need to go, which is fine. But some of you came in with like gaping holes in you. I mean, you came in, you kind of, you didn't walk in, you sort of limped in. I think you probably feel better now. But wouldn't it be something if uh, one of these lowly Christians up here could just be standing out here and he might just have a word for you that changes your life or that girl may have a prayer for you that completes the circuit and now you're healed. Or you pray over that family situation and this prayer results in things being rearranged, the government of your situation changes. Could I have some people that help us pray for people up here? And I just want to exercise our governmental right as we pray for one another and see heaven move today. So if you could just come to the front, it'd be great uh, for our ministry team. And uh, these are ordinary people with extraordinary faith and extraordinary gifting. Matter of fact, God gives grace to the humble, and I love it when we pray and have a whole group of us praying for each other. There's nothing more beautiful in the church than to see the church praying for one another. It's the heart. That's why God said, my house, if it's anything, that's a house of prayer. So if you need a touch from the Lord, if you need blessing from God, if you need something today and you have faith today, I just encourage you to have faith today. Even by walking up here, you just exercise your faith. Just come up. It'll take you just a few seconds. But give it to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And ask him to break through in your life today. Right? I'll be here and a few of others. We'll just pray. Just come up if you need something from the Lord. I want to release heaven today over our Daniel generation. Just right here in Vineyard Community Church. If you need to go, feel free. If you'd like to get received prayer, we'll be up here exercising this amazing Daniel-like thing. And on the live stream, may the Lord bless you all. May God come to you. May God restore whatever is wrong. May God minister to you in this very hour as you're praying and asking Him for change. May God bring change. May God bless you when you go in and when you go out. Whatever it is that you're seeking from the Lord, whether it's money or finances or jobs or whatever it is, may the Lord remember you this morning, this very morning. What is this morning? This is the 20th. May the Lord remind you, remember you this August 20th, today. May it rain on you today. May heaven rain on you. May heaven's R-E-I-G-N be on you. It's like it's raining outside, R-A-I-N. In Jesus' name.